0: I'm always here for you no matter how long it takes I'm waiting for you with open arms so come to me find me uh whenever whenever you're ready if I can't find you please find me
1: it's another episode of Heretics, and yes, I've got a cold. What of it? I've got a bit of a cold. I've become very self conscious when I'm doing the podcast with it because I know it doesn't sound good. No one wants to listen to a coldy voice, but I think it's better if I have a cold than the guest does because they do, you know, 70, 80, 90% of the talking. So uh, just ignore anything I say and listen to my guest, which is John Seekey who is just absolutely a, a brilliant speaker who's going through an incredibly difficult time. This is a really moving emotional. Uh, episode that uh, is difficult to listen to I think so uh, see how you feel but John basically uh, his wife she's of Korean origin just upped and left with the kids from California one day to Korea didn't say a word and he had to go to Korea to go and find them um, he won custody of them as you'll hear about in both America and Korea but nobody's enforcing it and it's been years that he now protests by walking on a treadmill in the middle of seoul uh the capital city of south korea um to to raise awareness and there are all sorts of people who are going through similar things around the world and particularly in korea japan parts of south america where they can't get their kids back the kids are being brainwashed against him and he's almost never allowed to see them when he does there, there are like people there watching and Uh, the kids don't seem to want to be around him because you know they've been brainwashed in that sense and it's all just such a sad horrible affair Um, of course there are always two sides to a story I wasn't able to speak to the mother Uh, it it feels like there might be a personality disorder here Um, because the the fact is no matter how much you hate your husband or wife doing that to your kids is just it's not it's not on Um, So I hope this does raise awareness and I hope you'll find the links in the description that John talks about at the end, which helps to spread awareness. This is a real story that I really wanted to cover. I want to thank my friend Paul Converse uh, who who brought the story to me because he had been in South Korea and that's how it came, uh, that's how it got to me, that's how I heard about this. And it's just uh, sad and also fascinating that this is how the world works on so many levels as john will explain so uh please do support him with the links that are in this in the podcast uh, description box thing um loads of interesting episodes are coming up they're always coming up but now well now you're on the heretics listening to john seakey John Seeky, welcome to the show. I want to ask you right away, um, why is it that you've been seen on a treadmill,
0: in the snow, in freezing conditions in South Korea? Yeah, so my two children were abducted to South Korea by their mother uh, towards the end of 2019. Uh, And uh, the courts in both countries have ordered the children returned uh, to me and to San Francisco. Uh but that has not been enforced. So last year I started a protest uh to try to bring awareness to the issue. My God. And it's a really
1: uh eye-catching protest. I saw you on on a channel, Asian Boss, and it was brilliant, brilliantly put together. And it's very moving. And as soon as I saw that, uh it, it's it's a symbol that you're doing that's it's it that really works and really captures the imagination. You're walking on this on this treadmill, it's freezing cold out there and it shows that you really,
0: really care. When did you last see your children? I was actually able to see them um, starting from July of this year a few times. Uh, it, it had been almost a, a year and a half in between where I wasn't able to see them at all. Um, so it was a huge relief to be able to see them this year. They uh, they are not in a good shape uh, emotionally. The abduction has uh, basically emotionally damaged them. So, um, and we've actually proven now... Uh, the emotional harm that's been done to them, and actually gotten a restraining order out against their mother, the abductor, uh, recently, uh, as a result of uh, uh, basically child psychologists observing their behavior. Um, so they're basically brainwashed, uh, and and it's not a good situation.
1: What kinds of things are we talking about? What what can you
0: see that's that's not right? Yeah. So uh, what happened most recently was in July. Uh, we were having some more court hearings. Actually, the court was basically telling uh, their mother that she was going to go to detention if she didn't return the children, comply with the court order. So leading up to that, the judge in the case said, okay, how about let's have the children spend some time with John, their father, uh, since they've been cut off from him for a long time, um, reconnect as a gradual process to going back home, which made a lot of sense. Um, so we actually did that. And during the first meeting, uh, we followed basically the uh, standard procedures in these cases where a parent has been cut off from a child. So I had a uh, very well-respected child psychologist, my lawyers and others, uh, interpreter, uh, talked to the children first, explained to them what was going to happen, that they were going to spend some time with dad. Um, and that took a lot of persuading, but finally uh, that happened, and then I was able to be reunited with the children on that day. We spent a great time, we went to a, basically a kid's gym, uh, had, a, had a really fun time together, and the brainwashing effects were there, but we were able to cut through it pretty fast, um, and they, they were actually able to, to reconnect with me well. Unfortunately, I then had to send them back to their mother, um, uh, instead of just taking them home right away. That was the court order, because it's supposed to be this gradual process. So two weeks later, we were supposed to have another longer visit with the children. On that day, the same children, who had had a great time the first time, completely refused to go, and they were actually um, telling my lawyers and the child psychologists that they were bad women and liars, my son was actually acting out quite aggressively to them in the court, where we were supposed to pick them up. And it was just very clear what had happened. The child psychologist said, you know, clearly, after the first time they got punished, it, that's the only only explanation, for, you know, because they had a good oh. time with dad. And the second time, they're probably going to get rewarded uh, if, they, if they refuse to go. And so it's just almost Pavlovian, uh, the way it works at, at a fairly young age. So.
1: When you were able to see them, obviously, that's, that must have been heartbreaking for you to, to see that. Were you able to speak to them? Are they, I mean, do you speak Korean?
0: I speak a little bit of Korean. Uh, Enough for a baby talk. I actually studied uh, in San Francisco while we were married um, and learned enough to be able to speak, you know, kindergarten level Korean. Um, My son actually speaks English. It's his native tongue, and he's continued to learn it in Korea. My daughter understands a lot of English but only speaks Korean. And I I do use an interpreter as well.
1: Oh, right. So you're having these days and there's like this, this person with you. Man... That's hard as well, I suppose. So, so are you able to, when you had the kids, finally, were you able to see the kids? Were you able to speak to your, I suppose, ex-wife and say, what's, what's going on?
0: Uh, that, that's been uh, difficult for a long time. Mostly we've only been able to speak through lawyers uh, through, throughout most of the abduction uh, actually, at the early stages of the abduction, I, I invited my older brother to come to Korea with me to try to uh, basically sort out the situation. And it looked like we had, but then there was some bad faith from the other side, so the kids never ended up going home at that point. After that, we pretty much had to use lawyers only for communication.
1: Do you have any? Inc- I mean, did you know before she left? I mean, had things not been going well between you two? Were you separated at that point? And, and was there any inclina- um any clue that she was just going to be gone with the kids?
0: Uh, we were, we were still living together, and there was no divorce or anything, um, and it was, it was uh, clear that there were problems in the marriage that needed to be resolved, um, but nothing that would, would justify an abduction. Um, so it wasn't a surprise, uh, and at the time I was powerless. Uh, the way the law works is if you don't have an existing court order, um, there's no way to actually stop a parent from taking a, a brief time out of the country with their with their children. Um, that's just the reality.
1: When did it start to dawn on you that she wasn't coming back?
0: Uh, I think after we made that agreement, when my brother came to Korea and then, you know, um, we had worked out when to buy the plane tickets back and everything. And she did that. Um, and then I came to Korea for the month and we were all supposed to go home together during my talks with her at that time. Then it became pretty clear that that she had actually had no intention of of bringing the kids back um, so then then i knew this is this is going into international parental child abduction at this point
1: just just thinking about your and her relationship was there any point where she said to you hey it's over between us
0: no no in fact it, it <laughs> These cases are, are messy because, it, you know, sh- she was telling the two courts two different things. She's telling the San Francisco court, oh, I'm planning to come back. I just want to spend more time in Korea for various reasons. I can't bring the kids back right now. At the exact same time, uh, she's telling the Korean court, I never in- intended to, to bring the kids back. Um, so who knows <laughs> when and what was going on through her mind at that time.
1: Do you think this would be treated differently both in America and Korea if you were the mother in, in this instance
0: it, it would i think um, there are aspects of gender to this uh situation um, however it's not it's not all about gender, so there was actually a very famous abduction from France to Korea. Uh, the By a Korean father abducting the daughter from a korean uh, a French mother, sorry, it took her five and a half years uh, to get her daughter back and that actually set some precedents um, in in these cases and i 'm actually using the lawyer now from from that case uh, so I, I hope we 'll be able to resolve it um, using some of the similar techniques that she used um, so uh, the way I would also explain it is. Um, International parental child abduction skews a lot by gender, but it's not always about one side. So, for example, in Islamic countries with Sharia law, uh, then it tends to be the father is the abductor and the mother is the left behind parent. And so it's really refracting other cultural and legal aspects. And that's why we see it as a gender issue, but it's it, that's not actually the primary root of it.
1: Right, that's fascinating. So, but in in your case, it might be because the culture is different, particularly in maybe America. I don't know what the culture is in Korea, but maybe not in an Islamic country, for example. It might be that people are, are slightly less sympathetic towards you because you're the you're the man. Although, as you say, you you've won those cases. And nothing's happened.
0: Right. Well, what I can tell you is, uh, as a result of uh, the protest, uh, and the media exposure, I've made uh, connections with quite a few people inside of Korea, there's one uh, advocacy group for these kinds of cases. So even in domestic cases, inside of Korea, there's many abductions, as well as, of course, parental child alienation. And uh, in those cases, it does, again, tend to skew by gender. However, I have met many Korean women who've been cut off from their children in exactly the same way. So it's a little helpful to know some of the background. Korea and Japan actually share a very similar cultural and and legal uh, aspect uh, for for family law and family culture. Uh, There's this notion that children are basically household property and they can't be divided in a divorce. And that's where this fixation on sole custody comes in in both cultures. so it creates this ridiculous, uh, basically, um, situation where people are very paranoid. If they think that there's gonna be a divorce, uh, very often they just take the child and hide them away uh, as an asset in the divorce, essentially, cut them off from the other parent. And again, that can be the father or the mother doing that. Uh, so it really comes down, fundamentally, that is the big difference between between the US and and Korea in, in this case. Wow,
1: so that happened. Uh But as I say, you won the court cases. So, surely, why isn't that then implemented that you get to have access to the children?
0: It's not even about access. They're supposed to return home. That's what the court orders say. Um, So, uh, and this comes down to uh, the brainwashing part. And this is what we've actually uh, been doing a lot of work inside of Korea to change the system. And we're we're having uh, some, we're getting closer to success on that. uh, so basically, the way the current enforcement system works, and I've explained this in many of the other uh, media engagements, is you get a court order, you can go with the equivalent of like a bailiff uh, to try to pick up the children. But when you go there, the procedure is nonsensical. The bailiff, bailiff first talks to the children, and if they can speak Korean, then he considers them uh, able to uh, responsible for their futures essentially. So my daughter was only three years old when we first started that. My son was five. Um, The abduction had already dragged on for a long time because the courts are way too slow. Uh, So at that time, once he establishes that they have the mental competence, uh, then he just asked them, okay, you you can't see both mom and dad anymore. You can either stay with mom or go with dad. Guess what they say. So the big problem is the abductors have a strong Uh, motivation to brainwash because they know how the enforcement system works so it's it's just just nonsense Uh, and so the actually the Korean public has been very sympathetic once we explained that because many people don't know until it happens to them as well and so that's why we've been able to get a lot of momentum on getting pressure from the US side and within the country itself to change the system.
1: It's like an sort of inverse of Sophie's choice to, to ask your kids, like, do you want mommy or daddy? That's insane.
0: We consider that to be child abuse in many cases. In the West, you should never put inappropriate uh, questions onto a young child. Now, if a child's 12, 13, 14, 15, getting into teenage years, then it starts to make sense. And the really bad part is typically uh, in most countries, these questions can be asked in court. The judge typically for especially for younger children, will take them into the chambers, ask them privately without any duress from either the parents, uh, and try to assess their intentions and then put that together with the the whole picture of what 's in the best their own best interest, but only in court whereas here it's being done at the enforcement site in this nonsensical way where typically you know the the abductor is standing there holding the children. It's, it's almost like a, a Stockholm syndrome that kicks in as well, unfortunately. They're, they're relying on this person for their entire protection, their entire life and everything else, being asked to go with someone who's almost a stranger. So how's that going to work? Right? Yeah,
1: it, it can't possibly. I mean, it must have, cr- I'm not suggesting you do this, but it must have crossed your mind in sort of the, your darkest moments Uh almost desperate moments what if on the few times you've seen them if you could just sort of whisk them off to an airport go back to san francisco and what would happen then yeah uh,
0: you can read some of the cases of japan, from japan especially that have been well publicized there are people arrested and gone to, gone to jail for for at least three weeks and then kicked out of the country never to come back in those cases so um people talk about this it happens a lot inside of korea um it's it's almost like the law of the jungle and it's really sad that that because people know that the government won't won't do anything then then they're forced to think like that so uh it's yeah it's just <laughs> it's really it's it's really sad to think about it's, yeah that
1: wouldn't that wouldn't work then it's not a good idea Um, I mean I've got to say I've been impressed you're the real deal one I mean one of the hardest things as a podcaster is trying to make sure guests show up that they try if possible to get good lighting and camera and stuff like that and you turn up here you know it's night time where you are you try to get a studio but they're not available at night you've got all the lighting and webcam that I've suggested people who are trying to promote their work and things they they often push back and say well I don't have time to do oh I don't oh I got the thing and they didn't get the thing you know Uh, and you're obviously want this to go well, I suppose, because raising awareness might help you in some way get get more access to your children.
0: And not just me. Um, I'm working together with quite a few other parents at this point. Um, again, as a result of, of the media exposure, what's happened is in new abduction cases just happening, uh, then people immediately do Google searches, and in my case and some others are now at the top, when you type in, you know, Korea child abduction, this kind of thing, so they can immediately contact me, and then I can help them uh, get into the group of other parents, uh, try to explain exactly what the do's and don'ts are in the earliest stage of of the abduction, and then work together Uh, on pressuring governments and and advocacy organizations and others to try to make something happen. Actually, that's how I got connected with you. Uh, There was a recent case out of Boston, which is getting quite a bit of news. It was already on um, the local uh, Boston TV station, it was on a nationwide radio station, also to Korea. Um, In that case, the father connected with me and and one of the other uh, left behind parents, um, and then his brother, I think, put me in contact with someone who was who lives in Busan, and that's where his uh, uh, abducted child is now. Um, and that person put me in contact with you. Uh, so I really appreciate any any way to get the message out. Um, and it, I, I I also try to emphasize in the protest and in all the media exposure. This is not about uh, he said, she said, or me versus her situation. People are always like, oh, there's two sides to the story." Yeah, actually, now the sides are like me and the Korean Mm -hmm. government. (laughs) Those are the two sides. So I try to focus on that part and not on the personal level. Uh, These cases start out as private family matters. Um, Eventually, if the couple can't figure things out, then it goes to court court's supposed to settle the dispute when courts make orders and then those aren't enforced then it becomes a huge public issue it has nothing to do about one lawless person it's about a broken system and so that's where I try to keep the focus
1: you must feel so helpless um because it's been years now you know and, and, and things aren't progressing as fast as, as you'd like them to does it help to talk about it does it help to have uh th- this group of others who are going through similar things as well
0: Certainly, there's a lot of solidarity that that comes from that, Um, and also sharing ideas and uh, sharing our experiences as we deal with different government organizations and that kind of thing. Without that, it's a very isolating and lonely and powerless experience.
1: A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. I don't have uh, kids but I'm always told that it's a special bond uh parents and a kid is there a way you can describe to people like me who are watching who are childless adults what that feels like to be cut off from your kids
0: I I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy it's 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 really um it's something no one should ever go through uh especially as a Parent, one of your primary responsibilities is to protect your children, to guide them, um, and to keep them from harm. Uh, and when you can't do that, and you can basically see it happening in front of your eyes, uh, that's it's you. I mean, the only way I can put it is you know, in the movies when the person's like, no, falling into the abyss or whatever, that's been my life for the last four years, just one long, long no. And uh,
1: difficult um do, do you think it i'm just wondering if if it might be a biological evolutionary thing that you're, you're just like does is that how it feels you're just tied to your kids and then if they're not there they're missing a part of you
0: yeah it's the attachment is uh not something that you, you know people say oh don't worry they'll find you later or they try to comfort you that way and this kind of thing in reality, often that, that doesn't happen. Um, so, you know, because of the brainwashing or whatever. So no, it's, it's this desperate feeling, you know, if you watch stranger things at the beginning, uh, when Winona is running around shouting, "Will, Will!" because he's in the upside down, it's like that, <laughs> but it doesn't stop when it's an abduction. They're not dead. They're there, but, but you've, you've been completely cut out from them and, and they're getting a very distorted story about who you are. Um,
1: That's hard as well. I mean, do they know their real, well, their their original names? Um, Do they know of their background and history and culture?
0: They know their names still. Uh, The rest, I have, I really have no idea. I haven't been able to have enough in-depth talks with them to to uh, find that out. Um, You know, last time when we were trying to enforce, and I was able to talk to my son, and we're. I said something about California, and he's like, California is bad. Why is California bad? I don't know California is bad. So I, again, at this age, uh, he's just turning seven, and my, my daughter turning uh, five uh, next month. Um, they, don't, they don't really have any big, big understanding of these things. It's, uh, it's, it's very easy to just, just feed, them, feed them a very, very strange and distorted picture.
1: That's upsetting. And I I know you don't want it to be a he said, she said, and I I completely understand what you're saying that this is you against the state. But at the same time, you know, there are so many studies that show that kids need both parents, um, that it's really important for them to have both parents to have a steady upbringing. Um, it It must be incredibly frustrating for you that that she would, it, it almost feels like she's putting this, whatever whatever's happening, ahead of the happiness of the children, because to, you'd want them to think, okay, well, you've got this dad who's wonderful as well, and you've got this, it must frustrate you uh, to no end, you know, how, how she's twisting these things.
0: That is the Western perspective that we've all mostly come come to agree on. Uh, again, we're talking about a very different culture, and it's changing as a result of some of this, but basically the Korean and Japanese a traditional way of thinking about it has been like this: If the couple couldn't agree on things during the marriage, how are they possibly going to agree on things after divorce? So the best thing for the child is to have only really one parent after that. The other parent might, in a few cases show up for birthday parties and maybe maybe some visits and that kind of thing. But the other parent is almost a non parent at that point, and you're bothering the child just by trying to keep contact that's this very 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 strange way i've come to understand and again that's just a different culture and I, I have to accept that as well um you know that that that's just the way it is now when i talk to people at the protest and others not everyone thinks that way many people are very sympathetic and say yeah of course it would be best for children to have have dad in their life and that kind of thing but that's just sort of that baseline uh that's that people are working from so just coming at it from a very different place
1: they must think you're mad sometimes
0: um actually, I was surprised. I was very worried about that when I started the protest. uh, And I got a lot of advice, actually, from the from the US side, uh, advising me like, hey, that might look just weird and crazy. And you're just gonna get laughed at. And I'm pretty sure if I did it in San Francisco, I probably would get a lot of hecklers. So um, Korea is not not the case at all. I was very touched by that. Uh, People were uh, quite sympathetic. um, And and they pretty much, you know, They got it that, wow, this must be something really bad that someone would, would do this slightly absurd thing uh, just to cry out for help. So, and that, that helped a lot because then the Korean media was, was all over the story and, um, that, that really got the message out.
1: Wow. I, yeah, I guess I just mean when I say mad, just because if there is this idea of, you know, the, the dad usually just sort of slips away or the wife, one of them just slips away and just says, Okay, well, we're divorced, you keep the kid. And then you're coming in with this Western idea of like, No, no, we, we should both be able to see the kids and I should be able to get custody of them as well. And, and all these things that must just be, uh, I guess, for, for your um, wife, uh, a foreign idea. Uh,
0: yeah, no. And again, at, at the protest, I would get that sometimes. Uh, especially men, older men, they would come up and say, "Yeah, I was in the same situation. I just, I just, you know, said goodbye and start a new family." And a lot of people, even on the online comments, you'll see this, like, "Oh, just, just start a new family. It's, it's, it'll all be good." <laughs> I just want. <laughs> what can I say to, <laughs> to that? Um, but, but yeah, everybody looks at these stories from their own own perspective. I got a lot of uh, opposite cases where it was single mothers, and they're like, "Man, I wish I had." someone who wanted to be with their children but but he already vamoosed a long time ago um so so yeah and then i got so many children uh who are now adults who came out of divorces sometimes abductions and these kind of cases saying please keep going no matter what don't stop your kids need need to know that you're doing everything you could to not abandon them um and so it's it's heartbreaking to hear uh, everybody's own life stories reflected through through this this really bad situation
1: you're out in Career now, uh, how are you able to live and how can you afford to live? Your, your life's been totally interrupted.
0: Yeah, uh, and a lot of a lot of cases, the parent does just end up getting destroyed. By it. I was very fortunate. Um, I worked at Facebook and other Silicon Valley companies in the past. Facebook, I was at the sort of right place in the right time, uh, so I was well compensated there, and so it gave me a, a good, basically a war chest because that's what this is is war. Um, so that's that's what I've been able to carry on on. Um, but you know, you drag on a long, long enough in court, and and all the other stuff that, that you have to do to survive, and then eventually you, you run out. There was actually a famous case of a American father uh, got his child his children abducted to Japan. Same thing, you won all of the court orders, um, had the return order and everything. Eventually, he ran out of money. Had to, had to I think uh, sell the house. Uh, at that time, his wife in Japan went back to court and said, well, how's he gonna take care of the kids? You ran out of money. And the court turned around and said, okay, we're gonna cancel the orders. It's like a complete slap in the face because he drained it all in, in, into that. And so it was done at that point. <laughs> what are you supposed to say? <laughs>
1: yeah. the, these, are, these are the sort of the governments that are supposed to be looking after our best interests and they just let these things happen.
0: Yeah, uh, and, I, and I can't just blame the Korean government. Um, uh, the U.S. government I, I work with obviously, and they 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 do take action, but it's very slow and very weak, and they could do so much more, but they deprioritize this issue relative to to other things. So that's one of the the most painful parts for left behind parents, um, just just basically waiting for the cavalry to show up and they don't.
1: Why was it decided that, I mean, obviously, it wasn't implemented correctly, but why was it decided by the Korean and American gov, um, courts that, that you should have custody and, and not the mother?
0: Right. So um, there's a few different factors to this. And um, first of all, I should talk about the Hague Convention. So the Hague Convention is the uh, overarching international framework that governs these abduction cases. Uh and Korea and the U.S. are both uh, basically treaty partners under the Hague Convention. Uh, most Western nations are. Some Asian Asian countries are, and most of uh, South America, um, parts of the Middle East. So, in Africa, I don't think too much. So, the Hague Convention basically says: first of all, we should only have one court that's going to decide. Uh, what happens in these cases for the custody. We don't want one country making one custody decision and another country making a contradictory custody decision. So then the way it works is when there's an abduction, the first step in the Hague Convention is you're supposed to decide which country should have jurisdiction over custody and then after that, uh, that country makes, makes all the decisions. So in my case, we took an overlapping approach. We uh, applied for custody immediately in San Francisco after uh, it had become clear that she wasn't going to return the children. Uh, and then when, once we got those custody orders from San Francisco, we started a Hague case in Korea to say, hey, you should respect these San Francisco custody orders. Uh, and uh, eventually, we also got those custody orders localized into, into Korea uh, which is a separate process. So both countries recognize the custody now. So that's what happened in in the legal cases. In the San Francisco case, it was pretty simple. You know, uh, the judge and my the the children's mother participated in the proceedings in San Francisco by phone. It was all by phone because it was it was pandemic at the time. So she made her arguments. The court heard her arguments, and of course my claims. And then the court basically said, look bring the kids back and you can preserve joint custody. If you don't bring the kids back by a certain date, then we're going to assign sole custody to John and then authorize him to go to Korea and return the children. She refused to do that. So then sole custody went to me. So of course, we had to, at that point, uh, explain what had happened relevant to the children. Up to there, she was able to make any claims that she wanted to you know, to say why she would have a reason to abduct. So the court looked at all that. Uh, and said, no, you need to bring the children back. So that part's pretty straightforward uh, for abduction cases because courts put the priority on, you know, the children should have both their parents unless there's some some good reason not to. And so if one parent is very clearly uh, defying that order from the court, then they're going to lose custody. They're not a good parent if they don't follow court orders, right? Uh, and then on the Korean side, it's a fa- also a fairly simple process. The Hague decision itself it's almost a replay of a lot of that stuff from the from the home country. She can make all those same claims, and then we just have to disprove them. And then at the end of that, the Korean court says, "Okay, like you got your chance, but you didn't convince us, so you should return the children." So that's not even a custody decision; that's just the return decision. The custody decision is already settled in in, in California court. So that part actually isn't isn't like that complicated, but it can all be dragged out forever. The San Francisco side got delayed because of the court shutdown right when I filed for custody uh, because the pandemic hit in March, 2020, right at that right. time. So that was, that was one of the worst parts, just sitting there for a couple of months, just waiting for the courts to come back online. Nothing I could do at that time. Most powerless feeling in the world.
1: There's nothing quite as, as painful as uncertainty in, in, for humans, I think. Just that, that uncertainty is just horrific. And you've lived in a state of uncertainty for, for quite some time. What What is the deal then? Yeah, and t- typically is it that if you bring up kids in a certain country, you know, I wonder this myself. My fiancé is Argentinian. What would happen if the kids are three, four, five years old, if we have kids in a couple of years, and she suddenly you know, understandably starts thinking, well, hang on, you know, the, their grandparents are out in Argentina. I miss being there. And we're not getting on so well. And she goes, oh, you know, I've decided I'm going to take the kids to Argentina. What? What's the deal there?
0: Well, I have some bad news for you. Um, I, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm mostly <laughs> just joking. I'll, although these days I do, when people ask me about international relations, I'm like, if you're going to have kids, please read the Hague Convention. It's it's actually really important to know. Unfortunately, the U.S. State Department uh, publishes a list every year of all the uh, countries, not just Hague countries, but all the countries how they're doing with this abduction issue, uh, and then they list them as compliant or non-compliant. Brazil and Argentina have been non-compliant for like forever, basically. Oh. Um, and Korea is, has been non-compliant the last two years because of my case and, and one other case, basically. Um, now, the reasons are slightly different. The Korean non-compliance is mostly to do with the enforcement part that we've talked about, the just absurd enforcement procedures. There's a little bit to do with the court delays, which you know, you're supposed to get these cases handled within like six weeks, typically. And that actually happens in, in a lot of uh, countries. Um, so the delays are bad, but the enforcement is the worst part. Now, in the especially the South American countries, what I've noticed, or Latin American countries, is uh, it's mostly to do with misinterpret- misinterpretation of the convention rules themselves during the court cases. So as a result, they make the wrong decisions. They're not supposed to make custody decisions. They're just supposed to make return decisions, but it gets treated like a, a native custody case and that, that goes south very, very quickly. Um, and then things get stuck in appeals for, for a long, long time. And they also have enforcement problems as well. Um, so Korea's a little bit different on that. They actually make the decisions correctly according to the rules of the Hague Convention. They just don't enforce them.
1: How did you know that Argentina, just off the top of your head, is is, that, is it rare that countries be non-compliant?
0: Yeah, there's maybe 15 listed in the last report, maybe 12 in the previous one. I think probably because I've made the joke before that, like, You know, hey, Korea, like Argentina and Brazil, you want to be next to them on the football rankings, but you don't want to be next to them on this list. So, sorry, that's probably where it came from.
1: Absolutely not. No, exactly. Bloody hell, that's well. You know, they don't. The 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 relations between the between Britain and Argentina are not not the best uh, at the best of times. I remember the
0: Falkland War. Back in oh moment.
1: my god, they remember it better than anyone yeah. does. It's, whenever you're out there, yeah. I used to pretend I wasn't English when I was there because they call us pirates um, for stealing their their land and, and things. But you know, it's it's fine really most of the time, and, and uh, hopefully nothing like that will happen in, in in my future with my with my fiance. But that's interesting to note that it's a non-compliant one. Um, How often at the moment are you, I mean, you mentioned that you're able to see your kids a little bit. I mean, how often are you able to see them and are you being like monitored and watched?
0: What's going on? Uh, So really the only time this year that I was able to have real quality time with them was that that visit in July that I mentioned earlier in the the podcast. Um, And then since then, it's been when we try to go and enforce this uh, protection order that we got as a result of the emotional abuse uh, that was done to them. Uh, but that's been an absurd process as well. Uh, where we actually go with the police this time, not the bailiff, uh, and some child welfare workers and try to pick them up from school. But the same thing happens, even though the judges already said, you're not supposed to ask the children yes or no, or anything like that. They still say the police say, Oh, we can't take them away because they cried and said, no. And of course the brainwashing continues. Um, so that's the worst way to see my children. Cause I'm basically being forced to put them through a very horrible process just to have a chance yeah. to pick them up, uh, so we have to keep going back to court to get stronger stronger orders and everything else. Uh, there was one other time uh, around the holiday, the Korean Thanksgiving holiday. I went actually. Their mother was locked up uh, in the detention center at that time because she had, had continued to refuse to return them, and so her sister was holding the children. And so I spent a, a, just a, an hour or so at her house, just just playing with them a little bit. Um, since then, it's been nothing.
1: When you're having these moments with them, what's going through your mind? Because there, there must be so many different emotions, but at the same time, you're thinking, "Well, stay cool," because you don't want them to think like you know, Daddy's on the on edge all the time and and, and all of that.
0: I I did a lot of work throughout the abduction with a very uh, uh, smart and wise child psychologist in San Francisco. Uh, And since then, I've also done some work with with, uh, experts here in Korea. And the advice that they always give is very useful. It's that no matter what, just uh, be your authentic self and uh, show that you are a stable person that they can create a positive attachment to. Uh, And uh, over time, if you do get the chance to spend time with children, generally, they can then uh, actually form that, that, reform that attachment, which we used to have in the past. Uh, and if I stay calm, then that'll be good for them because they'll stay calm. So even when it's a very stressful situation or, or whatever, uh, they should be seeing me as that kind of rock that they they can attach to. So I try to follow that. Uh, it's not always easy. I think the last time um, it was clear that we weren't going to be able to carry out the enforcement, but I had a chance uh, with my lawyer and interpreter at the end of the day, just to just to talk to them. Um, and they weren't listening they I mean because it was clear that they were completely shut down uh but I you know I just expressed my feelings to them and and cried I, I couldn't help it i I started talking about you know the the things that we used to do together, how of course, how I love them, miss them, but also. Uh, how every day when they're eating breakfast or whatever, I'm thinking, I'm wondering, what are they eating for breakfast? What are they going to do at school today? What's their favorite favorite subject? Do, do they, what sport do they like? These kinds of things. So just letting them know that no matter what, I'm there. I want to be with them, and um, and and I'm curious about them. I want I want to get to know them. Uh, it's like almost like an old friend that I haven't seen for a long time. So I try to look at it that way, and and that's been very helpful.
1: It sounds like, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, that your, one of your prime concerns here is that they will l- later on look back and say that you know, dad, daddy wasn't trying to find us, didn't seem to want to have anything to do with us. Uh,
0: uh- I'm one of the lucky ones in the sense that now I've left a pretty visible a trail of breadcrumbs on the Internet and everything else. Um, and they know yeah. they know their names and they can find that stuff. So I'm not not too worried about that. I, I feel bad for some other parents who didn't get that opportunity and, and they do everything that they can to try to put stuff out there. Um, but, yes, uh, I, I I have heard a number of uh, expert stories and read some papers and everything else in, in cases where. Children did uh, did not find out that they, that someone was looking for them, then they went through a huge self-worth crisis at some point. They had a very hard time establishing good relationships themselves um, and uh, a lot of self-harm and other things that happened later in their life because of that sense of uh, somebody didn't care enough to to want me and no child deserves that.
1: What, what about... Um you know, having gone from a stable relationship, you with their with their mother, do do you miss that? Was that painful as well? Is that does that linger?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, we give we we call ghosting in a relationship when somebody just leaves. This is like the ultimate yeah. form of ghosting because literally, I was like in San Francisco. There's a haunted house sitting there, uh, full of the kids' stuff, and of course other things from the marriage and and everything else. So every time I go go back for brief trips. Uh, it's, it's, I always cry as soon as I walk into the house just because, because it's, it's that, that feeling of just being become nothing almost, and all, all, memories of what, what used to be there. Um, and it, it is really like a ghost story in, in many ways. Ghost stories typically start with some horrible you know, tragedy of some kind, and then, you know, I'm the ghost. It's like, here I am kids where are you kind of haunting and then i'm essentially haunting haunting her too through all the court proceedings and that kind of stuff um so it's (laughs) yeah like i said it's one of the one of the worst feelings in the world um because you can't get closure um and you know for me the of course the concern is 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 the kids and uh yeah the relationship Uh, we're finally able to proceed with the divorce now and I have to go back and look at a lot of stuff um, as a result of that. And that's, that's not fun either.
1: Has she given you any idea of, you know, are you able to speak to her at all and for her to say like, look, this is the reason this is why I I left. Uh,
0: This year I was able to get text messages from her. They were mostly just very angry and very uh, coming from a very distorted place i I would put it that way so um these cases typically the abductor they they usually suffer from either borderline personality disorder narcissistic personality disorder antisocial disorder one of the kind of dark dark triad ones so um they don't they don't see the world as it really is and typically they're enabled by a family unit that's that's doing doing the same thing uh so when i read those messages I, i i i don't even know what to say they just They just make no sense at all. There's literally things in there that almost sounds like a kidnapper, like a regular kidnapper for for ransom kind of thing. There's there's one where she's telling me, like, oh, if you want to see the kids, just come alone. Don't come with the police or the media or bailiffs or anything like that. But who else says come alone? It's the the kidnapper says come alone, and it's like there's another one where she's basically saying, you know, if you want to see the kids again, stop the court proceedings. That's just using kids as hostages. This, like, it's just so blatant in those messages. I don't again even even know know what to say. It just makes me sad to that somebody can write write things like that. So.
1: That would mean you giving up on ever getting them yeah. back into your life permanently, in, in in return to being able to see them sporadically in career.
0: Yeah, and even the sporadically part. Once once that we went over that cliff, it would that would be. Uh, very very limited, and eventually cut off completely because that's what happens in all the other cases. I've I've seen in, inside of Korea itself. I talked to the parents, and as soon as they lost custody, they were uh, if there was any kind of hostility in the relationship, then they were basically just uh, cut off or extorted or, or or whatever the case may be.
1: Were there any hints as to this potential personality disorder when you got married, when you were first together? Was there this sort of honeymoon period where these things were hidden a bit better?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> that's all i'm gonna <laughs> say <laughs> um to to get back to to a couple of the other things we we touched on um one is that uh, i, I want to do kind of a public service announcement because i get asked this over and over and then uh, when you read the internet comments you'll see this as well uh where we talked before about this two sides notion uh you know that there's, hey, we want to hear her side too. Of course, uh, that's good journalistic instinct, everything else. So what's happened in this case is she was heard by the courts over and over in both countries and they made their decisions, but she was also given a chance to speak to the media uh, in Korea. So most of the media, when they reached out to her, she just refused to respond. Uh, There were a couple of cases where she responded basically just by yelling at them. Um, and they were, they played a, 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 with a voice actress and like a voice changer for extra legal protection uh, in some of the Korean TV shows. I, I just don't know what to say. It's like, how much more do we need to hear? You know, uh, it's there's <laughs> it's not much more to be said. There's just something really wrong here, and that's doing damage to the kids. And the the other point I wanted to touch on is this sort of antisocial behavior, where. Someone is clearly not following the laws, and these laws are there to protect children, all the court decisions are always made starting from this principle of best interest of the child. Um and here's someone just just not laughing at them, but but just uh just giving them the finger, basically. So yeah. the the sad part is watching that get directly passed on to the children as well. And this is where the effect of the brainwashing is is quite damaging. So Uh, One time earlier this year I was able to have a phone call with my son, just audio, and at that time he said in Korean, and I had to get someone to play it for me later, basically the equivalent of, Daddy, stop the bad court proceedings. And then recently when we went with the police and we're trying to execute the, the, the protection order, and he's basically just telling the police what to do and just crying and everything else, at some point he also says, oh yeah, you know, what the police are telling me to do is bad. Well, most kids at that age are idolizing, you know, they want to grow up to to be a, you know, a first responder or something like that. So watching that again as a parent, watching children is essentially being corrupted uh, because of one person's defiance of, of, of society. And it's just, it's heartbreaking that what kind of person is my son going to grow up to be if, if that's the influence he continues under? Um so I I try to point that out over and over to the to the government workers involved what they're allowing to happen by their negligence. Mm.
1: On a positive note, I I think that I'd like to hope that you know you do think differently when you're older from when you were three, four or five, and hopefully your your son won't uh, you know take those things on board into into his teenage and adult years and. Hate the police and become a, and in, in California could become a sort of defund the police person anyway. That's, <laughs> that's that that happens. Doesn't it? So good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're damned if you do, damned if you, you know that kind of thing. But this is is so infuriating. This whole thing, um, because I still don't get why you can't just. I know you said you'd get arrested, but you can't just take it because you've won the the custody. So so legally they they're yours. So why can't you just grab them and go? I spe- is that still kidnapping or something?
0: It's complicated. The, the Korean law in particular is, is quite murky in this area. Um, so I, at this point, especially with the protest and everything else, it, the, really, the focus is on fixing the system. Um, and so we, ha- a- as I mentioned, we have made significant, tra- gotten significant traction on that. We're getting close pro- possibly to an actual change in the enforcement rules. Um, uh, at, wow. Primarily as a result of the, those non-compliance reports by the U.S. State Department, but aided by the media work we did with the protest and av- advocacy groups.
1: Wow. Okay. So do you feel quite hopeful? Do you have a, a rough timeline If in your dream of dreams uh, around when this might change and you'll be able to actually legally and safely get your kids and go back to California?
0: Well, it's best to keep equanimity in these cases, not to get too attached to, to any outcome or timeline. That's the thing I've, mm. I've learned. And actually, the pandemic was quite helpful in that because at that time, the whole world was going through the same loss of control over time fr- frames and everything else. So it, it, it made it a little easier to get through at that time. I, I learned a lot of equanimity at that time from the combination of the two things. Um, so uh, we have good reason to believe that that within the next few months, I would say that we'll see a change in the enforcement rules. We do not know whether they will be sufficient, um, and uh, it's it's a very opaque process uh, from both governments. Uh, <laughs> so, so that part is concerning, um, but at least we have a probably a time frame like that. Um, in my case. As well as as I mentioned, we're we're using uh, other legal procedures, such as the protection order itself, to try to keep the kids from harm, and that can also result in getting them into my care safely. Um, so uh, we'll continue to push on that, working with prosecutors and others uh, to try to try to get extra power to make that happen. And that can happen. That's that's what happened basically in in that French case I mentioned with the French mom who was left behind. Um, no guarantees on on any of these things. Um, very recently, I was fortunate enough to have a Korean legislator uh, speak on my behalf. They have a procedure called a parliamentary audit, and that's the English translation, um, where the, the National Assembly members are able to question the courts and other uh, government bodies about how they've been doing uh, throughout the year. Uh, so through my lawyers and through one of the advo- advocacy groups, I was able to make a connection to that well-known legislature in the, legislator in the... Uh, the Korean Democratic Party. Uh, and so he basically questioned the court officials about what was going on, gave me a chance to speak through video in that procedure. And so I, I prepared a message in which I explained about the emotional abuse, uh, the the problems with the enforcement procedures, and they played that in that audit. So we're, we are actually getting getting the message out to the people that need to hear it. There was recently a uh international conference at Seoul Family Court and they mentioned of course this issue itself and the audit and and my protest with the treadmill. They actually had a picture of me with the, the treadmill up there. So uh things are happening uh but it's always always too slow and not enough. So we'll see. Check back in a few months.
1: Absolutely, you know and we and we will do. Um we spoke before I asked you um about you know money and being able to support yourself. Do you, how much do you estimate you've spent
0: on this whole ordeal? I I think at the time of the Asian Boss filming, they asked me this, and I said it was over a million at that time. And that's not just legal fees. There's lots of other things that, that go on. Um, I think by now, uh, there's also excess taxes because I'm paying a huge amount of tax to basically you know, get the money needed in order to... Uh, to proceed with the with the case so i think by now it's uh, at least a million and a half something like that wow it's just amazing and, and if you didn't have and, to- and most most again most parents are not fortunate enough to have something like that so yeah. so what are they going to do so they just give up at some point they have to there's, there's no way so
1: it's it's amazing how much boils down to a transactionary nature in our world you know if, if you have this amount of money you you might be able to fight for your kids if you don't the kids are gone and that's it, because you don't have the funds. And I, I think that's just a, a really horrible thing about the world. I don't know what the answer is to that. Um, do you, I, and I know this was asked in, in the last, in that video of Asian boss, he, he's great. Um, and and I'll, I'll put the link below so people mm-hmm. can go and, and check that out as well. It was a really great video. Um, do, do you have a message, well, do you have a message for for the mother firstly,
0: if she's watching this? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I I mean the message is always the same. It's please do what's do what's best for our kids. Um it's never too late to uh to realize oh, this is this is just just destroying their futures. Look at that amount of money that that should have gone into their their futures. Um you know, stop stop this nonsense. Stop this war. There's there's no reason for this. Um that's that's my main message.
1: And imagine if your children maybe in the next couple of years are sort of, well, hopefully you've got them by then, but if they're surfing the internet and they come across this video, what do you say to them?
0: Yeah, I think um, I want to tell you that I'm always here for you. No matter how long it takes, I'm waiting for you with open arms. So come to me, find me, uh, whenever, whenever you're ready. If I can't find you, please find me.
1: It's very beautifully put, John. Um, thank you so much. How can people, can people help? Is there anything they can do? Would you like to send them to a website or anything like that?
0: Yeah. Uh, so as part of the protest, I, I handed out flyers when I was on the treadmill. Um, and so it's got a QR code on there. But the website uh, is uh, www.november13.org. Uh, the digit's one three for November 13. Um, and you can find out a lot more about the case there. Uh, I think the main ways that you can help are, of course, spreading the story on social media. uh, If you have connections to journalists, uh, in particular international journalists, we've already gotten a a lot of help inside of Korea, uh, but it's been almost uh, silence from from the international media, which has been surprising because uh, it's been covered for the Japanese issue a lot in in the international press. So Korea Mm -hmm. needs to get get the attention as well because that's what can actually uh, make the situation change. And then uh, if you have connections in government, obviously uh, in the State Department in particular, uh, or just uh, if you're in the US, contacting your legislators to try to get them Uh, to focus on the issue would be very helpful. Outside the rest of the world, um, there's a change.org petition um, you can find from the website as well, so please sign the change.org petition and share that. It doesn't cost anything.
1: Thank you, John Seeky, for coming on. People, please do go check out his links, share them around. Maybe you know someone in politics who can help in some way. It all feels just a bit uh, hopeless, but, you know, people have overcome worse situations than this, and I hope he will be able to be reunited with his kids, uh, at least on some level. Bloody hell. Uh, Um, Sorry for my coldy sounding voice. It's just... It's just what it is, isn't it? And hopefully it will go away. I'm playing tennis later, and I've got a ready-made excuse for if I lose. Um, so that's something. Although if you, you know, I won't actually mention it because you can't. If you mention you've got a cold, it looks like you're making excuses, uh, and it's no good. So that's tennis, a less important topic than today's one about John hopefully being re- reunited with his kids. Um, I hope he will be.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.